In every good Hollywood movie, there's always a trilogy, right? So there's one, two, three. It's always a trilogy. And then there, here comes along another director and says, let's continue the trilogy with part four. That guy is me, all right? So it's either the, tri- the, the second trilogy would fail very miserably or it would pick up very well. I don't know. I leave that to you. But today, I would like to think that I am doing the part four. And I strongly do feel that God is asking us to be strong. That it is time to be strong. And I'll explain to you, I'll explain to you why I, I, I resonate with this message uh, uh, later on in, in my sermon, but I really felt that God is speaking to not just you, but also to me first. And then He's telling me it is time to be strong. Amen, church? So we are looking through the book of Haggai to begin the year, then Ezra, then Nehemiah, then Zechariah. But today, I take my passage or I take my sermon from Haggai chapter 2, 1 to 9, and I invite everybody to read along with me. Are we ready? One, two, three. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house? In its former glory, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desires of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Thank you, Jesus, for the reading of the word. Thank you, Lord, for your word imparted to us, even up to today. We thank you, Father God. And this morning, at the beginning of 2020, the first month of 2020, Father God, we want to give you our hearts. We want to say, come, Holy Spirit. Fill me now, anoint me once again to do the work of God, to listen to your voice, to obey the voice of God, to fear the Lord God Almighty. Father God, we just give you permission in this place to come and rest in our hearts, rest in your house, rest upon us, Father God, and speak directly to us. Give us a still small voice so that we know without a shadow of a doubt that you are speaking to our hearts. We give you permission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, as I've mentioned, um, we're, we're going to take 2020 to go through uh, our four books of the Old Testament. So it's amazing. Last year we read one, which is Matthew. This year we're going through four. So I encourage you at the beginning of the year to read all four books one shot over the Chinese New Year holidays. Is that okay? So you have 14 days off. Um, I don't know how long you're taking off work, but you have 14 days. Try to read all four books. It will start with Haggai. Then we go to Ezra, then we go to Nehemiah, 
then we go to Zechariah. But today, and as you read the books, it can be confusing. You know, this king, that king, this timeline, that timeline. So I'm going to give you a very simplistic uh, visual representation of the timeline of the four books so that at least you get an idea when you do read where you are uh, 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 in these four books. Is that okay? So first of all, I want to explain to you in the book of Haggai, uh, 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 Zerubbabel's in charge. Zerubbabel's building the temple of God. And this is uh, uh, the map of where he came from. So God uh, uh, deported all the Israelites to Babylon. At the moment, it's this region right here. And the superpower, the world power of that day is the Persian Empire, all right? So the Persian Empire has their capitals either in Susa, modern-day Iran, or Babylon, modern-day Iraq. So this is where Zerubbabel uh, uh, lived. And Zerubbabel heard the call of God, and God called Zerubbabel back to Jerusalem. So this is the route he took all the way up to Aleppo, down to Samaria, down to Jerusalem. I told the first service, I, I, I would love to be Zerubbabel. Because he, had, he picked a very, very timely companion, Shesh Bazaar, to go on with him. Why? Because I believe this guy is the original inventor of the night bazaars, the original inventor of the pasamalam. He will never grow hungry again. Why? Because they always serve shish kebab. That's the rubber bell for you. Brilliant guy. Uh, but so that's, that's, that's where we are, all right, in the four books, okay? So they have, so now in the four books, we are back in Jerusalem. Next. This is what the temple ruins look like in modern day times. Okay, so obviously there is no picture back, back then. But if you go to Israel now, next to the temple of Dome, this is the temple of the Dome, right next to it is the ruins of the walls of King Solomon's temple itself. So they preserve this site. So I want you to imagine, as you read the four books, that they are returning to their land, and the land has been destroyed, ravaged, ruined, set on fire, set ablaze, and you need to imagine these rocks are all charred and all burned, and they, of course, have been restored in modern times. But when they arrive, you have to imagine your houses destroyed, charred, burned up, and you have to rebuild everything from scratch. And there is a, um, a group of people that says, oh, I used to remember I traveled to Jerusalem. And when I arrived in Jerusalem, it was a magnificent city. It was the biggest temple of Solomon. It looked shining and radiant like gold and silver under the sun. But now we arrive in Jerusalem and we see temple ruins. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I weep and mourn for you. So that is the site. So keep that in your visual representation. But lastly, stay with me, all right? This is the timeline of, uh, of where we are in the book of Haggai, this is the exact timeline, all right? So in 536 BCE, before Christian era, before Christ, Zerubbabel started building the foundation of the temple. So he arrived in Jerusalem and he started building the temple, the foundation of the temple. It's found in Ezra 3. Then we move on to Haggai 2, where we are today, which is 520 before Christ. Zerubbabel resumed the temple construction. So if you are a mathematical genius, you would know that there's 16 years between starting the foundation and resuming the foundation. So the key word here is resume. He didn't finish yet. He just continued. So something happened in 16 years. Then we move on to 515. In four years, if you count in the exact month, or five years if you just count the year, Ezra 6, Zerubbabel completed the temple. So we all know that it does not take 16 years to build the foundation. Neither does it take 16 years to build the temple. It only takes Four. What happened in the 16 years? I will explain in my sermon today. All right? We move on. When did Ezra come into the picture? In 458 before Christ. 
Ezra came back to Jerusalem and then he said, now that the temple is completed, you are sacrificing your burnt offerings, you are giving your sacrifices to God, where is the Torah? Where is the Word of God? So Ezra says, open up your Bibles and read. He started teaching the people the Word of God. It's found in Ezra 7. So after God allowed Ezra to teach the Word of God, that's where Nehemiah comes in. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah started building the Jerusalem walls. So that's, that's when the walls are being built. So if you, go to, if you go to Jerusalem, you would see the walls, and you know that there will be seven gates, and each gate have a different name. So that's, that's when he started building the Jerusalem wall. So we will take you through the year. Zechariah is in between all this. I didn't put it up because uh, uh, I didn't put it up, but he's in between. You will find him, and he's very important because he prophesied a lot of prophecies in between this, but this is where we are. Have I given you enough time to take a picture of this? Okay, very good. But I want to move on uh, to my sermon, focusing on chap uh, chapter 2 of Haggai. And this is where we are. Zerubbabel resumes the temple construction. So what happened to Zerubbabel that he had to delay the temple construction for 16 years? Haggai chapter 2, 1 to 9. It is time to be strong. You know, if you really heard the call of God at the beginning of the year, if you've been impressed, like I have been impressed by God through the three sermons, the Word of God has really spoken to me. It is really time to take God seriously. And if that is you, and if you feel like you have made a resolution to say, God, I want to put you first. God, I want to bring you back to the center. God, I want to be obedient to your Word. I want to fear the Lord God Almighty. And if that is you, can I just invite you, together with me, repeat after me a prayer of saying, God, that is me, and I want to take you seriously. So I'm going to pray. If that is you, repeat after me. Dear Father, Lord Jesus, I want to put you first. I want to bring you into the center of, I want to bring you into the center of my life. I want to obey your word. I want to listen to you. And I want to fear you. Give me strength. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you pray that prayer, we all know if you've been Christians for a long time, I just want to tell you, the moment we decide to put God first, the moment we align our lives with God, because we all know that there is, there is a very huge possibility that we can always get out of alignment with God. And you know, Pastor Chiu talk, talked about the, 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 the flight that keyed in 0.001 in the difference of a coordinate, and they absolutely went off tangent off alignment with God. It's very easy for us to go off, or go off alignment. But if we want to put God first and align with God, and we say, yes, God, that is me. I want to align my life with yours. I want to tell you today, and I want to prepare you. The enemy will not go easy. The enemy that is comfort, the enemy of busyness, the enemy of complacency, the enemy of discouragement, will come to derail you from your plan and to keep you misaligned from being aligned with God. And today I want to encourage you just a little bit about the different areas of discouragement that can come that we face the moment we say we want to put God first. And then what does God say to each discouragement that can come our way? So if we are discouraged, if you have been discouraged, or maybe you will face discouragement, this sermon is exactly for you. My first point. They will come discouragement, just like Zerubbabel encountered discouragement. The first kind of discouragement out of three. 
you will experience external discouragement, just like Zerubbabel did. And I took this from Ezra chapter 4. I'll read it for you. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for God, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build. Like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, a bit of history and context. Um, when the Babylonians took East, uh, uh, Jews away from Israel, they remain a few people, a few Jews that remained in Israel. Now, this remains a remnant of Jewish people in Israel married other faiths, married the Assyrians, intermarried, and they mixed up worshipping the true God, Jehovah, with all the other gods. And they told Zerubbabel, we worship the same God. But Zerubbabel says, no, you do not worship the same God. I worship the one true God. You worship this one true God, plus, 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 all your other religious duties. That is, that is why Zerubbabel said, I will not help, you will not be allowed to help us. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families, can we have the slide up? Of Israel answered, I will be using my slide a little bit more today. Answered, you have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord. So Zerubbabel is jealous to build God's temple, all right? Pure, the God of Israel. As King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people. This is important. Then the peoples that offered their help set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building, just like our lives. They bribed officials to continue to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of the Persian Empire. What does it mean? It means in those times, they are your neighboring families, your neighboring tribes. They say, I want to help you, but because I don't like what you're doing and you don't accept my help, oh, I'm going to frustrate your plans. And they're going to write to the officials. And at that time, if you know, the Persian Empire says, you cannot build the temple. So the, the, the Persian king issued an edict, is in, is, in, is, is in the book of Ezra, and that's why there's a delay of 16 years, because there's discouragement from external factors. There's discouragement from world economic powers, political powers. But I want to say, in our lives, we may not be facing the exact same discouragement as Zerubbabel faced. Not the exact same, but a little bit the same. When we want to put God first, the moment we want to put God first, your work would say, we need you on a Wednesday night and on a Friday night the exact two nights that you have cell group nights. We need you on a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, the exact same nights where we've got healing and prayer altars. We need you to work on a Saturday morning. The moment we say, God, I'm going to bring you in a center, work makes you busy. But I don't, I don't just want to talk about busyness of work. The world power called comfort takes over and says, you want to put God first? You don't have to come to church. You don't have to come to church every week. Why don't you stay at home and be comfortable? Why don't you stream church online in your own bed and you be comfortable? I think that's better than coming to the house of God, worshiping with real people. That's the God of comfort. And the God of comfort says, no, it's okay. You're so tired after working on a Wednesday night. Why do you want to drive all the way to a house just to have cell group and open the Bible just a little bit? No, 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 no. Why don't you go home, crack open a, a nice cold Coke and enjoy yourself, have a good dinner, and then sleep, get ready for work the next day? The God of comfort. What about the God of entertainment that comes into your life, into our lives? Entertainment would say, you know what? 
You don't have to do church things. You don't have to do God things. You can do Netflix things. Netflix be a good God. And Netflix, nowadays days, you don't just have Netflix. You've got Apple TV, you've got Disney Plus, you've got Hulu. I don't know if they offer Hulu here in this, in this region, right? You've got so many different ways to entertain you. And the media goes on. The Golden Globes is happening, the Academy Awards is happening, then the MTV Awards is happening, then all the awards are happening. And do you want to keep up? Keep up with the movies. You want to keep up with everything. You know, I, I am a comic book fan. I always follow the Marvel. I follow Marvel 22 movies, right? From the beginning all the way to, from Iron Man 1 all the way to Avengers Endgame. And then I told myself, by the 22nd movie, Avengers Endgame is literally the end of my Marvel following, right? I am not going to follow you in phase four. I am not going to, I'm not interested in what happens next. That's the end for me. That's my endgame as well, right? But the God of entertainment will pull you away from the things of God. But if you, if you don't face external discouragement, you will face the second type of discouragement, fraternal discouragement. I took that from Ezra chapter 3. Fraternal means brotherly. Fraternal means family. Or fraternal could mean a group of friends that have agreed to go in the same direction. Fraternal, all right? Ezra chapter 3, what happened? With praise and thanksgiving, so Zerubbabel was building the temple of God. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, His love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So they're very happy. People were happy. We're all happy. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud. And when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sounds of joy and the sounds of weeping. What does this small three verse tells us? It tells us that there will be people who says, why are you building the church? I remember when I was younger, our church used to be this grand and this glorious, and I don't blame them back there. They entered Jerus Jerusalem, remember I told you. Back then, they entered Jerusalem, and when, what greeted them as they go into Jerusalem? A great splendid temple, a great city walls, a full army, grains, gold, and silver. They had economic prosperity. They had political prosperity. They had influence throughout the globe. But now when they enter Jerusalem, it's full of ruins. And people closest to us, carelessly, with just one careless word, can discourage us. And I'm sure we have all faced that kind of discouragement. And I want to say, for those who have carelessly said the words, I want to say it's not your fault. Sometimes, even for me, I may say one careless word. Maybe I'm hot-tempered that day. Maybe I'm a little bit more angry, agitated that day. And I say one careless word that can discourage a brother or sister in Christ. And maybe you are the person who are discouraged from one careless word. Why do you want to go to church so much? Why don't you stay at home and, and be with me a little bit more? Why do you want to be so holy and go to prayer altars for what? You pray, 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 but I see your life, huh? 10 years, huh? haven't changed yet. Leh. You know, you pray so much for what? Right? Why do you want to read the Bible so much? Right? You memorize all the scripture. I go, ask you to go to work and ask you to deliver a good presentation. You also cannot do. You memorize so much scripture for what? Right? One careless word, even though with good intentions, can discourage us from reading the Bible, from praying a bit more, from coming to church, from serving the house of God. You know, you served 15 years, huh? You are still the worst Christian in the entire world. You served the Lord so much for what? Right? One discouragement. And many of us have faced it before in the past. Many of us, we want to give our best to God. He says, God, I've decided to give my best to you. 
But the moment we decide, the next day, somebody says something that will discourage us, and we forget that we decided to give our best to God. But to me, and in my opinion, the worst kind of discouragement for me is the internal kind of discouragement, the discouragement that comes from within you. People can say all they want about you, but what do you say about yourself really matters. And where did I take it from? Haggai chapter 2. The Lord said to Zerubbabel, now this is God saying to Zerubbabel, who of you is left who saw this house in his former glory? Who, who of you saw the temple of Solomon in his former glory? How does it look to you now, God says? Does it not seem like nothing to you? So even God is telling Jerusalem, what you're building now seem like nothing to you. He knows. God says, I know. And Zerubbabel, the only reason why God says he knows is I believe Zerubbabel is also asking God, God, why did you ask me to build this? It seems like nothing to me. And God is saying, yes. Does it not seem like nothing to you? The internal discouragement that comes is the strongest kind of discouragement where you tell yourself, I can read my Bibles a hundred times. I will still not understand how does the Bible apply to my life. I don't understand Matthew chapter 1. Why do you need to tell me all the names of the descendants of Jesus? I don't understand the Bible. I could read the Bible all I run, and I would try my best to memorize Scripture after year, year after year. I will make the same pledge to God. I want to memorize Scripture, but I would never be as good as my friend. He memorized Scripture so fast, and right up today when he prays, he can pray with Scripture, he can intercede with tongues, and he can intercede with this Word of God, that Word of God, this Word of the Spirit. But when I pray, I can only pray with one or two words, and I don't know how to pray as well as my friend. I don't even know how to pray as well as my cell leader. I am not good enough. I will never be good enough. Yes, I want to come to church, God. I really want to come to church, but I've got so many other obligations. And in the middle of the year, I go, you know what? All the other obligations seem to be more important than going to church. Because if I miss one church service, you know what? Since I've already missed one and I've sinned, so to speak, I might as well miss another one. What difference does it make to me? I might as well miss the third one. What difference does it make to me? I've already missed one cell group. Why don't I just miss another one? Does that not ring a bell to us? It does to me. Discouragements will come our way all the time, especially when the voice of the enemy speaks into our head. You're never going to be good enough. You can serve God all you want, but when you go to work, people are still going to say, this Christian, if he is a Christian, I will never be a Christian. People are going to say that about you, and you're still going to be discouraged. The enemy will always tell you, you will still amount to nothing. You accept Jesus Christ, and you read the Bible, and you love God so much, but look at your life. You're still amounting to nothing. You are still a good for nothing. You would still not have everything that you want to have in your life. Internal discouragement. But today and this morning, if any of those discouragements have ever come your way, if any of those discouragements have ever plagued your heart, whether it's by other people, or whether it's by your job, or whether it's by you yourself, you've always felt like you are not good enough. Today, God wants to encourage you. 
And God wants to address each and every discouragement with the Word of God. And He says, you face every discouragement and stand on the Word of God from this weekend onwards. The first encouragement God counters a discouragement is when you have a voice inside of you that tells you that you're not good enough, God tells you, be strong. Be strong. Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. Now, be strong. God is saying, the temple that you are building in you may seem like nothing, but now, be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, O Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the Lord, for I am with you. Work. You know, when I talk about building the house of God, when I talk about building the temple of God, I only have two references, and I will use it interchangeably in this sermon. The first is this. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We build this house. We build this house to make it strong. And the second is, this literal physical building becomes the temple of God because we are in it. All of us here combined makes up this building becoming God's house. So when we build God's house, we build our spirit man and we build this physical building that is God's house. And God is telling you, you may seem like nothing. You may feel like you are nothing. You may feel like you're not good enough, that you have read and read Psalms 23 all over again and you only know the first line, Lord is my shepherd. And after that, I'm not too sure, right? I can only do that, God. And you only know the first line of the Lord's Prayer, our Father. That's it. Don't be discouraged. God is telling you, be strong. Be strong. And let me explain the word strong. It's this. The Hebrew word is shazak, to prevail, to be courageous, to be firm, grow firm, to be resolute. I love these meanings. And I took these meanings because it means so much to me. It means so much to me. Do you know when discouragement comes your way, when opposition comes your way, when the enemy wants to pull you away from the alignment with God, God tells you, be prevailing. What is prevailing? Prevailing means you have let a power within you overcome another power that comes up against you and you have prevailed the storm. You cannot prevail if no storm comes against you. You cannot be strong if the opposition does not come against you. You cannot be strong if there are no discouragement in your lives. You can't be strong. What is the, there's no need to be strong, right? Because there's no opposition, no discouragement. But God is saying, you've got to prevail. You've got to be strong, stand firm, prevail. When a power comes up against you, you need to know the power within you to overcome the power against you. And then you need to say, the storm will come my way, but now the storm has gone behind me because I have prevailed the storm. I have gone through the storm. I have overcome my discouragement. I have overcome all my oppositions. Amen, church? God is saying, be strong. The second point, be courageous. That's important. There is no need to be courageous if there is no opposition. Why do you need to be courageous? Why do you need to have courage if there's no opposition? So when God tells us, be strong, church, God is also telling you there will be oppositions. There will be discouragements. Yes, yes, sure, sure. But take courage. 
take courage because you know who fights for you. You need to take courage when the storm comes and face you this way. You need to stand your ground and face the storm as it comes against you. That's why be strong also means to stand firm, to plant your feet on solid ground that is the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ, and stand firm. But the best part is be strong does not only mean standing firm. It also means growing in firmness. So as you stand firm and you plant both feet on a firm, solid rock that is Jesus Christ, you drink spiritual milk, you pray it only for two minutes a day, that's good, you're standing firm. But God is saying you need to grow in firmness because the opposition that comes up against you will also grow in firmness. Because when you align yourself with God, the enemy is not going to like it. He's going to bring all forces against you. So in, when, you, when you pray for two minutes, the opposition is this big. Then you stand firmer. You grow in firmness. You pray for five minutes, the opposition is this big. You prayed a bit more. You pray for half an hour, the opposition is this big. And by the time you can pray for one hour a day, even if the opposition that comes against you is this big, you go, I can face the storm with Jesus in the boat. I can face the storm because I know my feet is planted on solid rock. But the best definition that I love, it's to be resolute. To be resolute. All this is meaningless if we have not made the decision to follow God. All this will be meaningless if we are not resolute in our spirit to say, God, I want to put you first. God, I want to make you first. God, I want to bring you back into the center. I need to make that resolution. Because if I have not made that resolution, then within you, you would always be asking yourself, should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? You can pick all the flowers in the world. Should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? And God is saying, put the flower down. You should. Be resolute about it. You should. Because, you know, I feel strongly about this message. But let me tell you why. Because I believe God spoke to me first in this message. And let me tell you why. Because, you know, in the beginning of the year, uh, uh, I took over a new portfolio that is young adults. And I think I can safely say that I do love the young adults. I care for the young adults. I, 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 I pray for them. We, I intercede for them. I cry for them. I laugh with them. I fellowship with them. I disciple them. My heart is really for the next gen. My heart is really for the future of the church, the young adults. So we just had our vision night. So I had to cast a vision. And I told God, God, you have to give me a word from you. I don't want to cast my vision because it's easy to cast Isaac Ling's vision. I told them, it's easy to cast my vision. I know exactly what I want in the church, but God, I don't want to cast my vision because this is not my house, all right? When I go home, I tell my wife my vision, all right? That you, no, <laughs> she's not here. I should not tell you what. Nope, <laughs> you're right. Wife, you've got to wash the dishes every day. And she's like, nope, I don't think you heard from God right. That's my wife. I think you heard that you have to wash the dishes every day. But I told God, I don't want to cast my vision. I want to cast your vision. So I prayed. I prayed up a storm. And I said, God, give me a word. Give me words, plural. And I casted it. And the moment I casted it, and the moment God spoke to me, it was a very sobering word. It was a very planted, ground-to-earth word. It wasn't a word that goes, we YAs will be the biggest YA, we YAs will be the strongest YA, we will be the greatest, we will have the best worship team, the best preaching team, the best floor team, the best everything team. It's not that kind of word. It's just a word, if I were to explain to you, it's a sobering word that go, you need to take God seriously. In all your transitions in your life, take God seriously. Do something. Take God seriously, in a nutshell. And I go home that night, 
I remember I go home that night and I was absolutely filled with doubt, absolutely filled with discouragement, even me. I was absolutely, I, I, I remember going to vision night going, I heard from God. The minute I stepped out of vision night and I said what I heard from God, I, f- I was filled with doubt. And I went home going, you know what, maybe this is, this is too hard for the YAs. You know, maybe after I say this message, the YAs will never want to come back, all right? We will have the smallest YA ministry in the whole Clang Valley, right? I don't think the YAs would he- like to hear this kind of message. It's too sobering. It's too realistic. It's too serious. It's too intense, right? Oh, God, did I hear from you, right? And the enemy was telling me, this is a true story. And I told my wife, the enemy was telling me, you know what? You're going to be the worst YA pastor. You're not going to make it. You're going to be the worst YA pastor. You, you don't deserve to, to, to pastor the YAs. You don't deserve to say what you did on the 8th of January, 8 to 10 o'clock. You don't deserve it. They're not going to listen to you. And I was struggling. I struggled till 12.30 in the morning. I struggled till 1.30 in the morning. And I go, God, did I really hear from you? Did you really say it? You've got to encourage me right now, God, right now. You love, love it, don't you, when you give God um, orders? God, right now, you tell me, right? As if you are the boss of God, right? God, you've got to tell me right now. Encourage me. And honestly, I heard nothing. I heard nothing for 12 hours. I went asleep that night going, mm, I'm not too sure. I hope I did the right thing. I hope I did the right thing. But if I didn't, God, you're going to have to forgive me. I heard nothing for 12 hours. I woke up in the morning and I go, I know I have to preach on the 18th of January. So I says, God, I'm going to read your word. So I opened the book of Haggai. And I says, God, I'm, I guess I'm going to read Haggai one more time. The 30th time, the 40th time, I read it one more time. How many of you know that you can read the same thing 40 times, but you will miss one portion until the right time God gives it to you? And he gave me this. I've never seen it until that that morning, and I'll give it to you. Be strong. Why? For I am with you. And I really resonated. And something in my spirit just woke up, and God was just absolutely encouraging me. You did the right thing. You've heard correctly, but you're now starting to doubt. Your feet is starting to waver. You're like Peter. You walk upon the, upon the waters, but now you're doubting. But God is saying, you've got to be strong. Why? Because I am with you. And God is telling all of us here this morning, you've got to make a resolution to be strong in God. Why? Not because you are the best. Not because you are the richest or the poorest or the most influential or the most powerful or you have got everything or you have the best family. Not because you can do it because you have a dominant personality and I will power through the whole Bible in one year. No, God is saying be strong. Why? Because He is with you. He will stand with you in the midst of your opposition, in the midst of your discouragement. God is saying, I am going to be with you. You are not alone. I will never leave you orphaned. I will stand with you side by side so that you would know that the God of the universe, the most powerful being in the entire world is fighting for you. And that's why in this nine verse, you would see eight times the Lord says, I am with you, says who? The Lord Almighty, Jehovah Savah, 
Jehovah, the Lord of hosts, the armies of God stands behind you, backing you up. The moment you say, God, I want to make you the center of my life, God is saying, great, I will send you the host of my armies to stand behind you, to back you up. And you need to know that God is with you in your storm when you go through personal discouragement. So you've got to tell yourself the whole 2020, if you feel discouraged, God is with you. Be strong. And if you feel in the second discouragement that you have friends or family that has come against you and said a careless word to discourage you, God is also saying you need to, number two, form covenant partners. You need to form covenant partners. Haggai chapter 2, be now, but now, be strong. Who? Zerubbabel. But now, be strong. Who? Joshua. But now, be strong. Who? All you people of the land. And who did God give this word be strong to? Haggai. The point here is that God spoke specifically to me on YA Vision Night, and He showed me these three people is that when God says, be strong, He doesn't expect you to do life alone. Spiritually, you are with God. But physically, He says, you cannot do this alone. You need covenant partners. When God says, be strong, He spoke to three people. Haggai, Zerubbabel, Joshua. Be strong to build the temple of God. Be strong to build the temple of God. And when He spoke to three people, He ended it by saying, be strong. SIBKL. Be strong, all you who attend SIBKL. Be strong and be together. You need to have a brother or a sister that you know even at 2 a.m. in the morning when you're arguing with somebody or you're feeling lonely or you're feeling depressed or you're feeling like you are the worst sinner in the entire world, you need to know that there is one person that you can call and he would encourage you and he would pray with you and he would pray for you. Just last, yeah, last year, at the end of the year, I received a text at 1.30 in the morning. I just had a low point in his whole Christian life. Keep it simple. At the lowest point, will you pray for me? I said, of course I will. At 1.30 in the morning, I will pray for you, and I will pray with you. You need to know that if everybody discourage you, if everybody discourage you, there is one brother that you can call and says, brother, Tell me the truth. And after you've told me the truth, pray with me so that I can face the storm together with you. Can I say, if we are a church, if we are a family, find somebody in a small group, in a cell group, join a ministry so that you serve together, so that you have a brother or a sister with you in your difficulties, in your highs, and in your lows. But if you're facing the third discouragement, the external discouragement, the world com coming up against you, and the world is telling you you can't do it, the world is telling you you should do something else, and if the world come up against you, God is telling you, don't fix your eyes on external discouragement. Fix your eyes on the eternal God. Haggai chapter 2, 6-9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. The desires of all nations will come into the house of God and God will fill His house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is His, or should I say the ringgit is His, the dollar is His, declares the Lord Almighty. 
what he says. The glory of the latter house, the glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And the best part is the last part. And in this place, I will grant you peace. When you go through oppositions and discouragement, there is always a war that you have to fight within you or against you. There is a war, but God says you fix your eyes on the eternal God and He will give you peace. He will give you the shalom of God that will come into your life to know that you do not build His house in vain. You don't build your spirit man in vain. Every scripture you read is a weapon that God would use against the enemy. Every five minutes that you pray is the weapon God will use against your enemy. He is always fighting for you, not against you. And He will give you that peace when you go through discouragement. I love this quote. The glory of the latter house, the glory of the present house will be greater than the former. And I want to get this right. God is not saying that the glory of the former house is bad. God never says the glory of the former house is inferior, it's not as good. He's not saying that. He's, all He's telling us, His church, is to say, your past is your past. If you forgot to read your scripture one day, let your past be the past. But now, fix your eyes on the latter house. When you build your inner man, when you build your spiritual strength, when you build this house of God, don't see this house of God as it is. See this house of God, what God can do with it in 10 years. God can do in you in five years' time. If you have never told anybody about the gospel of Jesus, because you, have, you are afraid, you're not too sure. God is saying, don't give up because in five years' time, the glory of the latter house will come upon you and when people look at you, they would say, why don't you tell me about Jesus? They will approach you instead. That's the glory of the latter house. But I really, really, really love this. This is what God spoke to me. God says, do you know that when he told Zerubbabel to build the temple, Zerubbabel had no idea what the glory means. Zerubbabel had no idea what God's plan is for the future. Zerubbabel had no idea that Jesus Christ in the flesh would walk in the same temple that Zerubbabel built. Jesus walked in that temple 444 years later. God walked in that same temple. And the same Jesus Christ in the temple of God says, I would destroy this temple and I would raise it up again on the third day, so that you, and you, and me, and you, and you will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the glory of the latter house. God's glory is living in you. You have everything that you need to face your opposition. You have everything you need to face your discouragement because you are the glory of the latter house. The glory of God lives in you. The glory of God lives within you. And the glory of God will move you forward one step at a time. You have the Holy Spirit that resides within you and you cannot face your discouragement without Haggai 2, chapter 5. Uh, Haggai chapter 2, verse 5. And, the, and my spirit is among you. My spirit is among you. The Holy Spirit is among you. Can I have the piano up? Can I have the musicians up? My spirit is among you. So this morning, before we close, I don't know what you've gone through at the end of 2019. I was just praying for a person, and this person said, my 2019 was the worst year of my entire life. 
I've gone through financial difficulties. My house is about to be mortgaged. My family is breaking up. 2019 was the worst year of my life. So discouraging. I have not been to church in six months, except till today. Will you pray that 2020 will be a better year for me? And I said, the word of God for you is be strong. Your opposition is strong because the enemy knows that you have a great purpose in the kingdom of God. And he's doing everything he can to derail that purpose. But you need to see the latter house of your life. And you need to see the purpose that God has put on you. And now you need to be strong so that one day you will fulfill that destiny that God has put in your life. I don't know what you're going through. But if you feel any form of discouragement, or if you feel any form of lack, or if you feel like 2019 is just not so good, or if you feel you want to make 2020 strong, you feel you want the Spirit of God to be with you, you feel that you want a fresh anointing from God, fresh, fresh. It doesn't mean you don't have the anointing. It just means you want a fresh anointing. You say, Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, here I am. I need a fresh anointing from you because I want to be strong. I want to tarry against the storms and I want to pull through because I cannot wait to see what you're going to do in the latter house of my life. And if that is you, we want to open the altar. We want to pray with you. We want to journey the storm with you. We want to intercede with you. We want to pray for a fresh anointing to fall in your life. We want to rebuke the discouragement that has come against you. And we want the Word of God to uplift your spirit and to encourage you to move and to make 2020 the year, that, the best year that you've ever had. We want to pray with you. So at the, at the first word of this song, come Holy Spirit. At the first word, come. The altar will be open. And I want you to just come on forward. And I want you to just open up your heart to God and say, God, this is me. As I am, I want to be strong. You've got to help me, God. I want to be strong. I want to be encouraged by you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.